the truths that are in this scripture, in the word to the hearts of your people as you will intend them to have. That as the, as the word goes out, we will be transformed, we will be changed from one degree of glory to another. We, wa- we are becoming more and more like the word that we are hearing. I'm asking all of you and none of me, O oh God, I'm asking that you move in this place, that none of these words will fall to the ground, but they will fall on good ground. They will fall on ground that will produce a hundredfold. In Jesus' name we pray. And those who believe said amen. 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 Second Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 10. We've been looking at strongholds, and, and, and more recently, last week, we started to look at how to dismantle these strongholds. And we got to this place just for those who maybe have not been with us on this journey, just to bring you up to speed. We are in this year in faith that God is going to do something new in our lives. Anybody still believe that? That this is my season for grace for the new. There is a new thing that God is going to do in my life, in our lives. And this is the season for, for, and he's providing the grace to make that happen. But in our discussions in embracing the new, one of the things we have to understand is what to do about the old. And how it is the case that the old can be a reason or can be a stumbling block to experiencing the new. Many times, old ways of thinking, Jesus put it this way, he says you can't put new wine in an old wine skin, because when you put new wine in the old wine skin, the, 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 the wine skin will burst, and you will lose the wine. And so what he's suggesting is that new wine should always be put in a new wine skin. Uh, a, a, different, uh, a different way to, to talk about that is we've got to be able to renew our minds, to have a mind set in such a way that our minds can handle the new thing that God wants to do. Jesus once said to his disciples, he says, I've got so many things that I want to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, I've got some new things I want to deposit in your life, but you don't have the capacity, the ability to contain the new that I am holding. So in many ways, the old thing is becoming an enemy of the new thing that God wants to do. In the book of Acts, uh, we find Peter on the, on the verge of, of God bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. You and me, um, God meets up with his partner being Peter, who is a partner with God in spreading the gospel. And and Peter sees a vision of this sheet that comes down from heaven. And all these animals that are on the the sheets that they wouldn't normally eat as Jewish people according to the laws of their land. And the Lord says to Peter, Peter, would you rise and eat? And Peter is saying, Lord, I can't eat. I've never eaten anything like this. He is obviously posturing himself based on the old. And God said to him, don't call something um, unclean which I have cleansed. Uh, uh, in other words, he's saying in the old way of doing, in the old covenant that we had, these things were unclean. But in the new covenant where my son has died, where his blood has been offered as a sacrifice, as a propitiation for the people, uh, you can't call people who Jesus has cleansed or died for unclean anymore. Uh, In other words, he's challenging Peter. Peter, if we don't change our mind concerning the way things are, we will hinder the new thing that God wants to do. It is also the case with you and I today. There are so many areas in our lives where it is important that we change our mind concerning these things if we are to embrace the new that God is going to release in our lives. This is a now word. It is a practical word. It is a challenging word because uh, I think I've been saying this a lot all through this series that many of us can, we can get the church to do anything. We can get the church to, 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 to pray or to shout or to do all these things. But the real challenge and the real goal of our gathering as the church is to bring the church to change. And that is the hardest thing to deal with because we have certain mindsets, our mind has been set in particular ways, and they're what we now call strongholds, which are fortresses of thoughts. 
ways of thinking. A mindset is nothing more than your way of thinking. So there are now fortresses of thoughts, ways of thinking that mean that even when God suggests what he is going to do, you might accept it in your head or accept the idea of God prospering you, for instance. But if you have a stronghold of poverty that has been put in your mind from your experience in life, from the things you went through in life, from your history, from whatever, we looked at all of, all of those things in times past, what happens is God can want to prosper you all he wants, but unless your mind is renewed, unless those strongholds are pulled down, you, will, you would say amen at church and return to the place that the strongholds suggest. So Jesus comes to preach and he has all these wonderful things to offer all of us, and uh, which is why his key message was change your mind because the kingdom of God is at hand. Because you could be in the midst of the kingdom, but if your mind is still an old mindset, you can miss what you are in. Are you with me so far? And so we're looking to change our mind. So we've been looking at strongholds, and, uh, and I want to talk about, I've been talking about since last week, dismantling strongholds. I'm not going to go over it. I'm just going to go to the next point that, that we are, are looking at. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty in God for, uh, for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, the wider context of this scripture is Paul addressing the Corinthians concerning the culture of the day that was contrary to the will of God. It's no different to where we are today. We have a culture, um, a popular culture that is, that, is, that is opposed to the will of God, where God says this is the way to do certain things, but popular culture arrogantly stands against what God says. And Paul is addressing something similar, and he's saying that here is, he says, our weapons are not carnal. Our weapons are mighty through God. We can pull down these strongholds, these ways of thinking in our culture by, by, by um, yeah, he says, we can pull down these strongholds. Let, let me read it from scripture. It says, we can pull down this, these strongholds by casting down arguments and every high thing that exhausts itself above the knowledge of God. Uh, however, if you're going to pull down the stronghold in a culture, what we are really looking at in a group of people, in a collective of people, what we, all, what we are really working on is, is pulling down strongholds in individuals, okay? If we're going to change the way we think as a culture, then you have to change the way you think, I have to change the way I think. Your neighbor has to change the way they think. And it's only when we change the way we think that we can spread that around and really change culture. So we can't talk about pulling down strongholds in society if the strongholds are still standing in our minds. And so this is why I'm talking about your mind and my mind, because the way that we're going to change society is by changing our mind. For so long, the church is being ignored or has been ignored because what we say and the life we live is not matching up completely. There is a disparity between the God of love that we, we share and the way we live. And, and oftentimes, it is because we can talk about a God of love. But if a stronghold is in your mind that causes you not to receive love from this same God, you can't really be authentic, as authentic as you ought to be, because you are not experiencing the message you are preaching. Amen. How many people have, uh, are honest enough to say there are some things that I say that I have yet to experience? This is my problem as a preacher. 
This is my biggest problem as a preacher is God coming to uh, and put it in my, uh, put in, putting his word in my bones like fire, shut up in my bones for you, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and you're, you're asking God, what about me? Who is going to tell me? Does that make sense? <laughs> but but, but, but the, the challenge is the, the word of God is real, the word of God is true, and so this work is for all of us to work um, on renewing, continually renewing our minds and pulling down these strongholds. And so he says, he says we have weapons to pull them down. We have weapons, and this is good news because you're not stuck. We have weapons to pull them down. It doesn't matter how long you have been thinking of thoughts, how long you have been stuck on this level, you have weapons to pull down every way of thinking that has kept you limited for so long. Amen. We have weapons to change the way of thinking. Maybe you've lived 50 years and you have lived below where you think you will live. Well, let me tell you, there is another 70 available. And in the next 70, you can change the tide. Hallelujah. Even maybe you're 80 and you feel like, no, my, 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 I've, I've wasted, in quotes, I've wasted my life. Moses was called at 80. It was at 80 that Moses stepped into his ministry and his best life was not lived in the palace. His best life began in the wilderness. So I'm trying to tell you today, it is not over. Today, the only thing, the only difference between where you are and the promise of God is our mind. And we can change our minds this morning because we have weapons that are mighty and weapons that are not carnal, but they are mighty enough to pull down every stronghold. So even if you, amen, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. That is worth celebrating. So even if you grew up not liking yourself or not liking the way you looked or not like not believing in what God can do and is and you can count opportunities that you have missed because of those same that kind of limitation I brought good news this morning everything can be different we can change our mind maybe you've had the marriage from hell up until this point but it doesn't need to continue that way because we can change our minds and bring in life today. Maybe you have had money problems and, uh, or, or even relational problems or, or whatever societal problems, social, social anxiety, whatever it is. All of these things are, are part of a way of thinking that ushers us or limits us from experiencing God's best. But the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let me make an announcement to you. I'm changing this year. I am changing this year. I will change this year. I am not going to stay the same. The Cheeto you see now, come on, say this about yourself. The you you see now is not the you you will see tomorrow because you have weapons to pull down every mindset that limits you to the realm that you are in right now. We can change. Come on now, I said we can change. You can change. You can change and become somebody that earns 150000 a year. You can change. You can change from just surviving to thriving. You can change. You can change from looking for handouts to being a distributor. Amen. We can change. It's all in our minds. We can change from being, be, you, you, you can move house. Let me, let me bring it, amen. You can move house. You can move, you, you, you can change your status. It's all in our minds. It's all in our minds. There are no limitations in this world. The only limitations that we experience are the limitations we have in our minds. So if I change my mind, I can experience everything. Someone say, Lord, help me change my mind. And so he says, he says, he says, um, um, so, so last week we talked about choosing your thoughts. We talked about being mindful. I'm not going to go into all of that, but we, but we talked about, we talked about that in detail. We talked about being in a place where you, you are aware of what you are thinking. Anybody, everyone remember that, that root of bitterness? Let's not go into all of that, where we use the pens and we said, you better choose the thoughts that you choose, that, that you think, because those thoughts that contradict the negative thoughts just just add to your stronghold so you can choose to build a new one. Um, th the next thing I want to talk about today is policing your thoughts. 
policing your thoughts. Second, if you're going to dismantle strongholds, you're going to have to police your thoughts. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And look at what he says, for casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of, your, or, or, of, of God. Now, look at, what, look at the next line. He says, bringing every thought. Someone say, every thought. He says, bringing every thought into captivity. Amen? If you're going to bring a thought into captivity, you've got to be like a policeman. You've got to be on the lookout for thoughts that need to be captured. Bringing every thought into captivity. Let's talk, let's talk this through. To be effective at your policing, you need a weapon. Okay? To be effective in policing, you need a weapon. So number one thing I want you to remember, if you're going to police your thoughts, the reason we need to police our thoughts is, is if, if we don't bring a thought into captivity, then it just runs wild, and as it's running, it's running your life as well. Your life will go in the direction of your most dominant thought. Okay? And so, and so we, we police every thought. We bring every thought into captivity. Someone say, I bring every thought into captivity. I am hereby anointed as a thought police. Okay? So, 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 so you're, we're going to have to, how many people are, are really, I mean, like, not churchily, you know, churchily is that a word, but you know what I mean? I mean, like, really interested in change, like I am. I, I really want to change. Okay. Now, now, here is the work that goes in, and the grace, remember when we said we're in partnership with God, and God provides grace? He provides the grace to do this. Okay? This is, this is, these are all the things. Our sufficiency is of him. But we embrace this work because we have the grace to do it. Here is the work that is required. We have got to bring every thought into captivity. So we've got to police your thoughts. Let me put it in, in a different way. We've got to think about what we are thinking about. Okay? Identify how you think. And if you're going to be an effective policeman of your thoughts, you need some kind of weapon. Now, I know we live in the United Kingdom, and the police, the, the police don't carry, carry guns. Um, amen. But, but, you know, they still carry weapons. They carry pepper spray. They carry a baton. They carry, you know, what's that, taser. Okay. Because if you're going to be effective in capturing thoughts that are criminal... Yeah, you get it? You can't, you can't be nice. All right? You, you're not going to have to, you, you, this is not, oh, please, stop stealing. Stop, oh, no. no. Are you breaking into the car? Please, what happened in your childhood? No, this is not the time for that. First thing we're going to do is we're going to tase you. <laughs> Amen. We're going to handcuff you, lie you down on the floor, and then bring you in and maybe... Start talking about your childhood. Does that make sense? It's the same thing we've got to do with our thoughts. We can't approach, oh, it's just, bless him, it's just the way he thinks. No, you're going to go, go down that road. You're, you, you just, uh, the road of no, no return. So we need weapons. Everyone say weapons. This conversation that Paul is painting, the picture Paul is painting here is a military picture. It's a picture of wartime where you're going to capture by force. That's why you need weapons. Because there are some thoughts that you and I think that are nothing short of criminal. There are some thoughts that you and I think that are just pure criminal thoughts. They are not yours. They are, they are, they are, and by the way, this is the power that the enemy has. The power that the enemy has, the only power the enemy has is the power to put a thought in your mind that you buy. Who told you that if you eat this, you will surely die? That's his power. He hasn't got any more power than that. The only power that he used to turn the tide for mankind was the power of suggestion. Suggesting a criminal thought that man bought. 
So, so, so what does God do? He now provides us with weapons that allows us to police our thoughts and check out and look out for those criminal thoughts. Those thoughts that contradict the will of God for your life. Those thoughts that say that God is looking to judge you. That God is, you know, is, is looking to get you. Those are criminal thoughts because Jesus Christ has given his life for you. Jesus Christ literally came down to, to earth, wrapped himself in flesh, died on the cross, felt pain so that you will be free or you and I will be brought into the family. So it is criminal to think that the same God who gave his life for you will now reject you for something. It's a criminal thought and we need to get it into captivity. So, so to be effective as a policeman, as a policewoman, police person, a thought police, you have got to get a hold of your weapon. And our weapon is the word. Okay? It is not carnal. Our weapon is the word. Thank God for, for philosophy. Thank God for psychology. Thank God for all of those things. They have their place. Okay? But the weapon that God suggests to you if you're going to pull down that negative idea, you know, that, that, that tape that plays in your mind that is constantly saying you're going to fail, that tape that says they hate you, that tape, you know, that negative thought that just goes over and over and over again. If we're going to capture it, you can't capture it with anything else but the word, at least from God's point of view. He suggests the word. He says the word of God is mighty. Ephesians tells us about the, the, the sword of the spirit. Ephesians 6, the sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon that is given to us in this armor of God. It is our weapon. It is mighty. Amen? It is the primary ingredient that is required to change your thinking. That's why, God, that's why the sower shows up, and what does the sower do? The sower sows the word, because the weapon that this king is using to take over this kingdom is not a sword. That's why when, when, when Peter is saying, let's pull our swords, Jesus is saying, put your sword away, because he who lives by that sword will die by that sword, because that sword is not, doesn't have the ability to keep you alive. The kind of life that God is bringing is a life that comes by the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so the sower shows up, the king of glory, the king of heaven, he shows up upon the earth that he is looking to colonize and make the kingdoms of this world. He doesn't come riding with a horse. He doesn't come with a bow and an arrow. He doesn't come with a bazooka. He comes with the word of God. Because the word of God is a mighty weapon that is not carnal. And so he is so confident in this word that in Mark chapter 4, even though the soil is a hardened soil, he sows the word there. Even though there, there are thorns in that heart, he sows the word there. Even when there are rocks in that heart, he still believes in the power of this weapon that he has, that he sows the word even on rocky ground. I'm telling you, we have weapons that are able to tear down this thing. <coughs> Amen. Stop shouting, Peter. Amen. We have weapons that are able to pull down every stronghold. I'm passionate about it. I will shout. Okay, forgive me. We've got to get this thing into you. And so look at this. He, he, the, the weapon that we have is the weapon of the word. Listen carefully. The word of God is the primary ingredient that heaven has sent to change your mind. Okay? The word of God is the primary ingredient. That is why the word of God is the, is the seed of the kingdom. The kingdom comes by the word. The word of God changes your mind. Amen? It's time to believe the word again. Hello, people. It's time to believe the word again. It's time to feed yourself the word again. 
regardless of how long you have believed and how many failures you think you have had, the word of God is incorruptible seed. The word of God does not fail. So let's go back to the word. It is your weapon to tear down that stronghold. Amen. Believe the word. I said believe the word. Put the word in your mouth in this season. Believe the word. The enemy is wanting you to believe. How did, you, how did the world, how did the word, you know, I, I was thinking about how did we get to the place where, just, let me just talk about Uncle Corona. Um, while, while, how did we, I'm sorry, it's, it's not my uncle, but you know what I mean. It's what everybody's talking about him. But look at this. How did we get to the place where, where you show up at the supermarket and, and all the toilet rolls are gone? Somebody was saying toothpaste is going as well. So. But, but let me, let, let me this, is, this is my conclusion of how we got there. One person, one person. It didn't, it didn't go on the news. One person decided, you know what? There might be a lockdown. He received the thought. There might be a lockdown. I'm going to need to wipe my... So I'm not going to take one. I'm going to take two. And another person was walking past. Why is he taking two? Wait a minute. I'm going to take three. Another person walking past. What? He's taking three? I'm taking six. Another <laughs> one was walking past. Nobody told them. But, but, but what happened is they saw one person acting on the word they were thinking, and it started to spread. And so we get to this place now. How, do, how did we get to the place where the shelves are empty? One word. Amen. <laughs> one word. And, and now that fear is spreading. How do we get to the place of faith? One word. Amen. I said one word. Do you, know why, do you know why it seems that fear spreads more than faith? It seems that way. And it's only that way because fear has more employees than faith. It's true. That's the only way. That's why, that's why we could, that's why those, those toilet rolls. <laughs> because the first person who did employed Amen. That's why I said, don't mind, be mindful of what you share on social media. To you, you know the scripture, you know, and you might not even be afraid, but I'm telling you, you, got, you are spreading something. Faith, faith it, it, is, it is easier. The structure, the systems of this world set us up to be more afraid than to be in faith. But when you are called to walk with God, he invites you to a life of faith. Faith, that's why faith, that's why spreading faith is more our responsibility than anything else. In a world where fear has, the ministry of devil affairs is working overtime in this age to spread fear. However, there are some people who belong to the household of faith. Come on, anybody in here? We belong to the household of faith. Anytime you find us, you ought to find believers. People whose posture says, I believe God. People whose posture are declaring what God is saying. People who what we say does not contradict what God is saying. Because his word is the real agent of change. If you want to bring change in any, in any mind, to put on any stronghold, we need his word. Someone say, I need his word. Now, here's how we use this weapon. Are you still with me this morning? Here is how we use this weapon of his word. Uh, we, we use this weapon to confront arguments. Okay? I, I, I'm going to be very detailed in, my, in, in this because I am after understanding. Amen? So here is how we use this weapon. The, 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 the police, if you are in America, the police will use the gun to shoot and ask questions later. In, in, in the United Kingdom, the police will use their batons or whatever and ask questions later. In the kingdom of God, we use the word. Okay? In the same way, we, we see a thought and we confront arguments with the word. An argument is an exchange of diverging or opposing views. Okay? An argument is, a, is, is, um, is a, a reason or a set of reasons that are given for something or against something. Okay? When we're in school, we used to debate. And so we used to make... Um, um, let's not go into that, but I enjoyed debating. But look at that. An argument, an argument is, um, is, is, is reasoning. Um, reasons or a set of reasons that are given 
for an idea, an action, or even a theory. The Greek word for that word argument in that scripture is logismos. And it means a reasoning, a thought. It is, it is the way you reconcile thoughts to reach a conclusion. That's what an argument is. Um, at any point in time, there is an argument going on in your head, in your mind. Anybody know what I mean? Many of us are arguing with ourselves. I love the fight. The scripture says many of the fights that we have within us, um, many of the fights that you have, don't they come from within? Most people who were touching with you this morning, don't take it personal. They were already fighting before they got here. Okay? Your, your boss who is just being ugly to you, it, it, it really is not you. They were already in a battle before you came. You are just a victim of war. <laughs> Amen. So, so look at this. He says an, an argument is, is, is the Greek word logismos, and it's the way you reconcile thoughts to reach a conclusion. It is the reasoning, the way you reason that, um, that reflects your values, that reflects the things, you know, what you give weight to. It is an argument is the way you personally assign weight or, uh, to what he said. So right now, I'm speaking to hundreds of us right now. But the reality is the way, the, the way you receive what I'm saying is dependent on the quality of arguments in your mind. Okay? The way you receive what I'm saying is dependent on how you reason. The conclusions you make when you consider what he's saying. Because with every word that I am saying, you are listening. Hopefully you're listening and not thinking about your chicken. But you are listening and you are, you are reasoning. You're saying amen because you are nice people. But a lot of the times on the inside, you're reasoning. Like, really? Amen. Re really? Because you're, the argument is still going on. Okay? And so, and so we all have this, these reasonings that are going on in our minds. And, and, and if we are going to pull down strongholds, what we do is we confront these arguments with our weapon, which is the word. We confront the way we reason with our, with our weapon, which is the word. The difference between what God says in his word and what we all experience in our lives is often the arguments that we have in our minds. Okay? The difference between what we experience in our lives and what God said to us is usually the kind of arguments, the kind of conclusions we make after hearing those words. So there are constant arguments which we have every day by way of your thoughts, especially when it comes from the word of God. The arguments are important. Um, the, the way we reason are important, but the problem is not really having the arguments. The problem is the conclusion we make. The problem is that, I think I said this earlier in the series, that we think 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Or let me put it this way, we have 60 to 70,000 arguments a day. Just by yourself. I'm not, I'm not counting the one you had with your spouse. <laughs> this is just you. Okay, so everyone knows how to argue. So you have 60 to 70,000. The problem, however, is that the pattern is usually the same. The pattern of the arguments are usually the same. So here is the problem. The problem is, is most of the time our, our reasoning is never confronted. Okay? This is why coming to church is important. This is why, this is why listening to the word is important. This is why you can't be your own pastor. Okay? This is why you can't be your own mentor. Because what happens is that you, 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 are, um, you, there is no confrontation. Nobody confronts your pattern of thinking. And if no one confronts your pattern of thinking, you don't change. Amen? So we think the same thoughts over and over again. However, those thoughts, for the most part, have never been confronted. You've never asked yourself, why don't you like brown shoes? 
You just don't. You've never really asked yourself, why don't I like, why does that person annoy me? Because you're just, you just, you just never had that thought confronted. Are you with me this morning? The, the thought has never been and so, uh, confronted. And so the arguments are not the problem. The arguments, the, the problem is that our arguments sometimes go without confrontation. So 60 to 70,000 arguments just have their way, and, 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 and particularly in a season like this, in a season like this where the news is suggesting more arguments. Every, every time you turn on, there is a new expert that is providing a different arg angle on the same argument. So now your argument is leaning towards the fear of the virus more than it is towards the word of God because you are having information in support of your argument. Are you still listening to me this morning? And, and, and so these, if, if these thoughts never go on, um, without confrontation, I promise you that in the next two weeks, you will not be touching anything. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> in the next in two weeks, three days, you will not... You will not speak to anyone. You will not be near anyone. You, you, you need to see how people, if anybody sneezes, everybody turns. Everybody, is that them? Is, that, is, is it you we've been looking for? <laughs> Amen. Because the thoughts are not being confronted. What is happening, it is just leading you down the garden path. It's just taking you down without anybody stopping you. Amen. And so what happens is we are going to need to confront those thoughts in order to pull them down. We have to confront them in order to cast them down. You cannot change something you don't confront. It's not possible. If you don't, if you don't confront it, and this is a lesson of leadership, if you don't confront it, you can't change it. Okay? It, it, it just won't change. And so we've got to confront our thoughts before we can cast them down. We've got to confront, confront those thoughts with the word. And the goal of confrontation is to get that reasoning or that argument to bow down to Jesus. Okay, I want to do something practical. Shall we confront a thought? Somebody give me a thought, random thought, and let's confront it right now. Come on, nobody wants to give I'm not good enough. Okay, I'm not good enough. So, so this, imagine you're thinking a thought, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. God, uh, you're, you're, you're going to work. And, and uh, your manager says, I need you to provide, uh, I need you to do an assessment um, of, 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 of where the company will be in two years' time because I feel like you have the experience. I need you to look into our account. And I need, need to make a projection. But you kind of, I'm not good enough. And so you're limiting yourself. It's an argument. It's an argument. It's a thought. That comes, And so what Paul is saying here is we have got to confront that thought. Number one is we confront it with the word. Who told you you're not good enough? Where did the idea come? This is me confronting the thought. Where did the idea come that you are not good enough? Did it come from God or did it come from somebody? Because it came from somewhere. Okay? It maybe came from your teacher in primary school. Sometimes that thought lasts that long. Or it came from your parents, who always compared you to the neighbor's kids. <laughs> Amen. Or it, it came from somewhere. So, so, so the moment I'm, I'm embracing, I'm, 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 I'm trying to write this report. And I remember the first thing we said was, think about your thoughts. Think about what you're thinking of. And the moment I think, oh, man, I can't do this. Okay, let's talk about that. Why can't you do this? Are you qualified? Have you been to university? Absolutely. Did you pass? Yeah. Did you graduate? I did. Amen? Um, how did you get this job? Did you sleep with the boss to get it? No. <laughs> did you pass the interview to get it? Absolutely. Did you smash the interview? I absolutely did. I did so well. So, can you see where we're, we're now reasoning with that thought? We're saying, okay, thought, where did you come from? Who brought this thought? Did God say that you are not able? What does God say about my ability? 
He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says that I do not claim to do anything of myself, but my sufficiency is of him. He says, even when I work, just like Paul says, he says, when I work, even though I work hard, it is not still I that works, but the grace of God that works in me. Many of us never confront a thought like that. We entertain our thoughts. We, we, we entertain the thought. Uh, someone give me another thought. Another thought. Come on, help me. I know we're not used to this. Getting you to talk at church. I wanted somebody to give me coronavirus one. Yes, come on. Coronavirus will kill me. Somebody said that. Co coronavirus will kill me. Okay, that's true. Co coronavirus, does it kill? It does. The statistics shows that it does. But why do you believe it? Where did the idea come that it will kill you? This is the question now. Why am I here? Why, number one, why am I here? I am here because God sent me. I'm here because he made me. I'm here because he has a purpose for me. I'm here because he has an agenda for me. Can, has anything ever stopped God's agenda in the history of God's dealing with mankind? Absolutely not. So can coronavirus kill me who is on an agenda to complete the, the will of God for my life? Why do I believe that even through history, John was boiled in oil, he didn't die. They put him in the Isle of Patmos, and he writes the book of Revelation. Why do I now believe that a virus will take me out? Uh, it is confronting the thought, not denying. We're not denying. We're not going to say coronavirus does not kill. It does, because the facts show. But what we're going to do is not deny the thought. What we're going to do is confront the thought with the word of God. What did God say in Exodus chapter 12? He said, because of the blood, it will be a sign over this house that no plague shall come near this house. He said, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near me. What am I doing? I am confronting the thought. I am confronting the thought. Here is the problem. Are you with me so far? Tell them confront that thought. And we confront it with the weapon, which is the word. Am I, am I okay to be this simplistic this morning? We confront it with the weapon, which is the word. So if you are thinking a thought, this is how God put it to, uh, to Adam in the garden. He says, who told you that you are naked? Because you only said, you, you only said about being naked because you have been thinking it because it came from somewhere. He confronted that thought. So, 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 so uh, we, we've got to be in a place where we, we confront the thoughts that we think, because if we don't, the scripture says this, your mind, um, the carnal mind, is an enemy of God. Okay? Mm, the carnal mind, I don't know if I put that scripture down. The carnal mind is an enemy of God. Um, Romans chapter 8, that's right. Romans chapter 8, look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 6. It says, for, I'm going to read from, from the Passion Translation, or, or, or if, you, if you can put it on the New King James, I'll read it from there and then read it from the Passion. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Remember what we're talking about from 2 Corinthians is pulling down ways of thinking that contradict the word of God. If a way of thinking contradicts the word of God, guess what it does? It agrees with your flesh. Everyone get that? If a way of thinking, if, if thinking I'm not good enough, disagrees with the word, do you know what it satisfies? It satisfies your, 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 your need to preserve yourself. Okay? Do you know why many people blame other people for their problems? It absorbs you of the responsibility to push past your comfort zone. So we would rather it be somebody else's fault. That way I can't do anything about it. But look at this. Your carnal mind, a carnal mind is a mind, is a fleshly mind. It's a mind that agrees with your body. It agrees with self-preservation. It, ag it agrees with selfishness, with keeping to yourself. Okay, so it says that a carnal mind is enmity against God. 
for it is not subject to the law of God. It is a thought that is not in obedience to Jesus Christ. It is not in obedience to the word. Can I teach this morning? He says, for it is not subject to the word, um, subject to the law of God, nor indeed it can't be. A carnal mind cannot be subject to the word, um, to the laws of God. Look at how the Passion Translation puts it. It says, for the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the spirit, it finds life and peace. Many times we are looking for life and peace with a carnal mind. A carnal mind cannot produce Zoe life. The life we are after, the God kind of life, cannot come from a carnal mind. Oh, are you with me so far? This is why we've got to pull down those strongholds. He says, in fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. What we are, as we police our thoughts, what we are looking for are those thoughts that are fighting the plan of God. So God wants to do a new thing. He wants to start a business with you. But the same thought comes up. I can't do this. It is a thought that is fighting the plan of God. It is based on your flesh. If you do the math in your flesh, you're probably right. You might not be able to do it. However, it is opposing the will of God. This is why, this is why, if we are going to pull down strongholds, one of the things that we've got to get comfortable with is discomfort. Okay? Can I say that again? If you're going to pull down strongholds, one of the things we need to get comfortable with is discomfort. Because what happens, the moment, it, I, I promise that the thought, for instance, that the virus is going to kill or that, or, 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 or that you can't do it, this is not the first time you've thought that. When it was bird flu, you also thought that. When it was Ebola, you also thought that. When it was, it's the same pattern of thinking. Okay? And so it is in those seasons, you wouldn't have been in faith, you would have been in fear. This would not have been the first time that, that we thought, I can't do this. Because you probably thought that at PE class. And you thought that, it's true, you thought you're thinking that in this company that you are in. The same thought that is opposing the will of God for your life. But do you know what, what is happening? If you've thought it that long, you know, our brains are set up. Our, can I just do some, some science for a second? Our brains are set up to protect you. Okay? Our brains are set up to protect you. So what happens in, in your mind, in, you know, the moment you experience something negative. Let's say you, you know, um, um, I've used this example before. I remember when I was, when I was much younger, um, I remember when we are going to secondary school, I, I, I was exam, an exam. I was so confident. I was so confident. I've, I've passed this exam. They, my parents asked me after the class, how did you do? Uh, I couldn't. I was mouthing off, just confident. And the result came out, I failed so woefully. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I remember crying for days because I was so distraught. I was so, how could I get it that wrong? It's a difference, it's different if you failed maybe by one mark that you can kind of understand. How did I get that confidence? And be so wrong. Anybody ever been there where you feel, how did I, how did I, especially this is what we do with the word, where you don't want to be too confident with the word just in case God doesn't come through. Come on now, don't shut me down. Because we've had, but, but it is a thought that is opposing God's will to come through in your life. So what happens then is the older I get, my brain is now protecting me from the pain I felt in that disappointment. So the brain will make me say, after passing an exam, after doing well in an exam, I would never say, I did so well, because I don't want to feel that pain. Or perhaps I would never even try, I would just be looking for enough. Does that make sense? So what's happening is your brain is protecting you. But if I'm going to really live the kind of life that God wants of, wants of me, I've got to say, the Lord will help me pass this exam. I've got to be one who sees a future 
that is not average, that is not uncertain, a future that is certainly full of success. But it's painful to do that. Okay, do you know why it's painful? It's painful because your brain doesn't want you to hope and, and fail again. And so, and so, and so um, your brain, your carnal mind will prefer that you think. You say, you say, hey, you can't do it. Your flesh feels okay. We find scripture to add to that. This is me being wise. Anybody know what I'm talking about now? You, 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 uh, and, and woe to a person who has a scripture to back up your fear. Or woe to a person who has a scripture to back up your prejudice. It's all the same. Okay? And so, and so we've got to, if we are going to break out of this, we've got to be comfortable in discomfort. So now I've got to put myself out there. There was a time, and let, let me show you how much this example affected me. There was a time in preaching, every time I finished preaching, and I preached so much hope, I would go back and I would panic. Because I put people in a place where I said such great things about what God, all scripture, by the way, about what God would do. And it wasn't God who was limiting. It was my experience and the pain of going somewhere and maybe it doesn't work out. Are you with me so far? So if we're going to pull down strongholds, we've got to use the weapons of, our, of the word and be comfortable with discomfort. So, so one of the things that we, we might talk about this next time, uh, this is why you've got to be able to visit your future. Okay? In fact, let, let me talk about it now. Let me talk about it now. You've got to be able to, to feel what you're going to feel then, now. You can train your mind to not just be replaying the past, but to pre-play the future. What limits us is that we replay the past Feel the pain of the past and stop and close up. Alternatively, you can be bold like Joshua and Caleb and travel into the land. Taste the grapes. Feel the, the, the joy of success. You know, wear that shoe. Put your leg in the shoe. Feel the joy that a good shoe gives you. And then come back here. And you're not retreating, but you're planning how to go to your promised land. Okay? Because, it, and it takes this discomfort of, of, of tasting something now that you're going to have to let go. Only to go back and work with the grace of God to make this thing your own. And so you've got to, what am I doing when, what is Joshua doing when he's tasting?